0: Uh, There's a term that's called upstream. So upstream is just um, the earlier actually in the manufacturing process. That's like in the raw material space. So in the version for us, upstream is like before we even touch anything, what's the raw materials? That's information. So information of.
1: Today, I sit down with Ray Johnson, who is one of the co-founders of Right Hook Digital. Right Hook has over 100 employees and has scaled dozens, if not hundreds of brands through Facebook, Google and email marketing. Now Today, we're going to be sitting down and talking all things operations on their email side, and I get to pick Ray's brain on more so what they do with product launches, what they do on the operations side, and how they reduce their design times for their email clients. There is so much that we unpack in this episode, so you don't want to miss it. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com. Let's get into the podcast. Ray, what's going on? It's a pleasure to have you on. I know last time we chatted was I think a few weeks ago after Agency Founders, and I knew after that I wanted to get you on and sort of spill the wisdom of what Right Hook's doing with their email marketing
0: to my audience. So how's it going? Dude, Akita, man, it's life is in the fast lane, but yeah, like I know after we talk to Agency Founders, uh, there's so much to update you on, but I know even you have some pretty cool updates, but so I think it'd be cool to give a sneak peek on some of the stuff you're doing on your side. But dude, I love hanging out with you. I love jamming with you, so I was honored to come on.
1: Yeah, the last time we we had a call, we mainly just talked about operations and nothing gets me more excited to talk than just like the numbers, the little performance improvements. Cause I remember you mentioned that you guys are like tracking the amount of time each email takes to get made. And then you're optimizing around that. So can you tell the audience a little bit more about what you're doing on that front?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. <laughs> I Me and you have talked so many times about this because obviously like that is everything, right? Like we are email factories for lack of a better word. Like yeah. our job is to make converting emails for brands. And so uh, it actually started from a problem where we internally we have KPIs for different departments. Like we have to maintain a certain gross margin. I, was, uh, I know I'm being kind of nerdy here. But that's for us to make sure we hit the profit that we want and so the problem actually started from we were at capacity but we weren't hitting the margins that we wanted and i remember it was actually me and you i think we were like the um the greenhouse lounge and you're like bro like this is what i'm doing I'm like holy crap i have a problem i was like, actually i have to owe you a big thanks because like you helped identify i need to fix it so now to fast forward to where we are now i was like okay like how can i fix this problem and i was like well i'm not a designer i don't know really and realistically what is good and what is bad. So I think I told you this agency founders. I asked my all my design team, pretty much everyone on the my retention team, but especially my designers, I said, I want you to record your days. I, I just want you to sit in front of your computer. When you start your work, hit record on loom and just go. And so I watched 30 something hours of footage of them just designing how they do it. Cause I want to like even though I'm not a designer, I stuck at Photoshop, I just wanted to see what they did. And so by th- doing that, it allowed me to see, okay, how long on average does it take to do some of these tasks and to make a mock-up, to do a revision? So it gave me a baseline so that then I was like, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to then track, and we can get into this later, I'm going to track um, the number of mock-ups, revisions, external, internal, so I can like, get a really good gauge of like what, what is capacity, known capacity, and future capacity. So like that was kind of the start of it. And then by doing that... allows me okay now i can experiment how can i get that time it takes to make it down dude absolutely i remember when we talked about it you had that
1: big problem of just employees feeling like they're being overworked but like the margins weren't there and i'm like this is there's something there's something wrong going on here and it's either the designers aren't having the most efficient workflow which you know sometimes when you're doing a lot of the work and you're always improving yourself Sometimes there's a big disconnect from what you're improving on versus what the designer is improving on. Maybe the designer doesn't have that exact same lifestyle or drive that you have of like constantly iterating and making minor tweaks all the time. So you kind of have to introduce that in in a forceful way, but also in a way where everyone benefits and where they see the benefit and adopting that process. And I think the recording as well as watching over the recordings without making it seem like it's micromanage-y, is a really good way to do that, and I it it's almost like you should have done this a little bit later
0: because Loom just introduced like watching it beyond two x speed. Oh, dude, I know. Well, I think was it you that told me, bro? There's like plugins you could use to watch yeah. it faster. So, yeah, I was like, dang it, that would have saved me hours. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you had to, the either way, you
1: would have been s- still spending like hours of watching these recordings, so it still had to get done. But out of all of those things, what did you see that was like the biggest bottleneck
0: on the design side? That's a great question. And uh, me and you talk about talked about this before. And so, uh, I'm going to use a Toyota lean terms because we've really got switched on to lean manufacturing and Toyota lean. So, at this point you're turning into D. I know, right? Well, I mean, he's my partner, so you we talk about this stuff every day, all the time. So, uh, there's a term that's called upstream. So upstream is just um, the earlier actually in the manufacturing process. So that's like in the raw material space. So in the version for us, upstream is like before we even touch anything, what's the raw materials? That's information. So information of when is the campaign? What are the details of the campaign? What is the schedule time? What are the details of that sale and that campaign? So like, that's like upstream for us before we actually touch like the materials. So the biggest bottleneck right there is actually way upstream and that's getting the right information at the right time and all the information at the right time because how how hard is it if i start on this thing and come to realize all the information wasn't present to me or the information changes so i have to do that rework so that was a that's a big bottleneck that we're actually in the process of fixing right now. Because also for us, all of our brands are on multi channels, so they're on like a paid social or Google or retention. That's also there, the coordination piece is kind of a nightmare, but we're yeah. we, we're fixing it. So that, that's step number one. That's where a lot of information, the problems come from. Uh, and then step number two was getting the right expectations and preferences from a brand of what do they expect? For example, like we do a lot of fashion, and they come to realize. It's not just the photos that brands put in their creative asset folder that you can use. It's, well, I actually like models that look like this, and I actually like it to look like this and from this angle. So if you don't get the information in the beginning, it's going to cause a lot of rework downstream. So getting that, that's something we're tightening up on. we uh, getting really, really clear, showing, okay, what photos do you like? Why do you like it? Uh, in this situation, do you like it? And if it's in this situation, what don't you like about it? just like to get as clear as we can. And then the other part is, and this is where I'm get really nerdy. There's a term from Toyota called haijunka. It's <laughs> Japanese. Yes, but it's called haijunka. And it means leveling out the workload. And why that's important is because it keeps from your people from getting way overworked and not worked enough. And because the problem that we had after watching all everything and I mapped out when they get tasked and I actually can see, okay, wow, some days they're like way overworked and some days not very little work and some days whatever worked. But then... When you ask them, "But like, can you handle more? Like, no, I'm stressed. Well, you're stressed on like three days out of the week, but two days out of the week, you're not stressed. So what we've done is now that we've tracked that we have a live dashboard that shows every single day that they're tasked and expected hours to get that work done. So, so the team won't overwork them. Instead, they have to find a day where they have less work. And so that's like part of our process of leveling out the workload that it's a test right now. So I think those are the three really big things because we found out was, crap, our design team actually has more capacity but we're not leveling out their workload and the other problem right now that i haven't fixed is because since me and you work off like monthly calendars what's the next month and the next month the next month the end of one month there's a lot of work because you're prepping the next month and the beginning of that month is a lot of work because you're making all the assets and like the last two weeks and like in the middle there there's like not a lot of work right because you did all the work so that's like another problem we're trying to fix but that's a whole different beast
1: Yeah, especially at your scale, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you guys have, what, like 100 employees right now at this point? Yeah, that's a lot. 100 plus. So I'm not at that scale yet, but I still do experience those same exact problems of just uh, like friction through communication of, you know, we, we take a client through onboarding and they just didn't fill out all the steps. And it's like, okay, we have to go back and get those assets or get the logos or get the brand decks. It, when it kills you at the small scale, I know it's killing brands at the big scale or agencies at the big scale. So for us, it's like almost mandatory of like, we're not onboarding until we get all the data. Mm. Um, and the, the funny thing that you mentioned was getting the right product shoots as well. Is what we do is we open up that conversation right as we onboard the client is like, Hey, let us know when you're going to be doing product shoots next time. So that way we can get these angles, these angles, these creatives because we've seen those perform really well with these kinds of clients in this specific niche. And then they're way more open to us and they let us know on like our bi-weekly or monthly check-ins, like, hey, we're doing a photo shoot in a month. What do you guys need from us? And then we send them like a
0: mood board. Like how, how how do you show them the assets that you guys really want?
1: Yeah, it's mostly done through a mood board, whether it's like on Figma or like through Google Drive, whatever it is, it's mostly just... Like here's here are adjacent brands. Here's specific creatives, or here's maybe like like, for example, if it was like food and beverage beverage, and there was a different way that like maybe a jewelry brand did their photo shoot. It's like here's how we could replicate that, but with your brand specifically, yeah, I like yeah.
0: that. And a question I want to ask you is getting the assets is really important. and I know you guys have a really great system of how you guys catalog and store all that information, which you showed me. What I wanted to ask you is when a brand, when you find that there's been a, you know, a brand, they were coasting with you, things were going great. And all of a sudden you see a big spike of a lot of rework happening and like revisions happening. What are some tried and true tips that you have found to go back and like identify, okay, why would you have so many revisions all of a sudden? Yeah, that honestly depends on
1: the client and what, like if it's a niche specific client, like where they need to update it because of seasonality. I understand that and that's something that they would explain to us during the onboarding stage or like during their yearly calendar because a lot of big brands and it's mostly big brands that do this as well they have like a yearly marketing calendar that they put out and they're like okay cool in march we're going to be this is the season for this we're going to be redoing things there so we kind of know a heads up of like okay we have to make our flows a little bit revised towards that seasonality but uh, when it comes down to just out of nowhere, it's just having a conversation with the brand owner or the, uh, the marketing, um, uh, the director of e-commerce or director of marketing. It's like, Hey, why are we doing this? You know, this has worked really well. And we had to do this recently for a client that we had, like we offboarded and then they're like, Hey, we also have these credits and we, we want to rework all of our flows or use these credits to rework our flows. And the flows were performing great. They're generating a, like 20% of revenue. And and I wanted to have a good relationship with them, especially with their interim CMO. We have a really good relationship. So I'm like, okay, we can take care of it. We just usually, like, for most of the t- it's a tough question because most of the time we say no, but just to keep the relationship good, we we took on the work. And it wasn't until like halfway through January that we finished it. They were off-boarded
0: in November. so. Wow. Um, it's funny you say that I was triggered a little bit when you were mentioning that because this is something we face recently to get your take on it because this is super debatable and I love to ask debatable questions sure. or hot ha- ha- type of questions so a brand a funded brand that we worked with had a great relationship but frankly they changed direction they wanted to go from D to C to wholesaling because like, mm-hmm. what was working best for them completely okay and so they actually asked when they left they said hey can you send us all the creative assets that you made for us so for us I know for us, we make a lot of the assets in Photoshop. That's just how we make the templates for our emails. So they ask for all of the Photoshop files. Some people would not be okay with that. But I say, you know what, what's best for them to set them up for success is for me to give it to them. And now like they're self-sufficient. So we made that call. And that's something that we're more more okay with. If a brain asks, we'll give you their assets. Cause like what's, what's best for you is that you're self-sufficient. But other people i have asked, like, dude, no, like that's like your IP. I'm like, yeah, but What's best for them? And for us, we made that choice to do what's best for that brand. It's funny
1: because that same exact brand that I just mentioned, I asked the exact same thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. All of our stuff is done through Figma. So it's basically the same thing as Photoshop, just more collaboratively. And they're like, hey, can you send us all the raw Figma files? And I was like, on the call, I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll send it over. And then in the DMs, my main designer, like my senior art director is like, dude, why did you do that? i'm like what do you mean that we're just sending them over the the design files so that they can finish things up when we when our contract's over and she's like no you do not do that it's because she's been in the design world for years and years it's she's, a no no in the design field especially like for branding agencies that's a big yeah, no no yeah so i'm like okay break the situation down for me and she's like yeah it, it wouldn't make sense because that's our again ip and it and so on and so forth. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I'm like, what's the compromise here? Because we would still want to give it to them. She's like, well, charge them. So I think yes and no. Like, yeah, we can give them the IP, but it would require like a pay- like a one-off payment for the rights to that IP. Because we honestly we made it, and our contract states that all the all the property that we do create for the client, the finished product is the client's work, but the raw assets are is our
0: work. And if they want the ra- raw assets, they would have to um, pay for that. And I think th- I think that's a really fair middle ground because I know it's very contested, and my my design team had the same concerns. It's like, dude, like that's like R I P, like how we design and why we design and our frameworks and like our spacing, like our layouts and things like that. Yeah, so I want to ask that question because it, w- it was very debatable. And the other thing you said, also that kind of triggered me, was I th- I think there's a, I, I, uh, um an assumption that email is set and forget. And I know you probably. You're probably like, oh my gosh, this conversation. It's set and forget. Okay. However, this is something we experienced because we used to offer brands for brands that they couldn't afford ongoing or wasn't right for them. We used to offer a uh almost almost like a one and done. Okay, we'll update and redo all your flows for you based off like our recommendation. But we actually quit offering that for the same reason that you had to go through is because we found out that yeah, it would it would crush for a quarter or a couple quarters, but it's not set and forget. You have to update it. You have different drops, different collections, different images. Like you have to always be updating and testing and iterating because otherwise, going can be diminishing returns.
1: No, dude, absolutely. There is so like, we're trying that offer out for some of the, I guess, more startup brands that like just need to have like the three core flows, but they want it to look really good and offer a few campaign templates on top of that, so that way, at least the brand owner can self-sufficiently make these emails without spending like 10 hours in canva and you know sending everything out that that way or sending it out as a full image and hurting their deliverability um in that case honestly i think the best play to like if it's a startup it makes sense but if they're a big brand like at least doing like 50k plus a month like they need to constantly update it because especially in you know d2c changes every 90 days it only makes sense to consistently update if not. I wouldn't say three, like every three months is a little too often, but at least once a year or maybe you're a fashion brand though. Three months. Oh,
0: fashion brand. Is like Because every quarter you have like a new drop, like a new season.
1: Yeah. There's a reason why we were kind of like shying away with working with fashion, brand. way more work than any other industry. I can tell you that. We had this one client over, like they worked with us from April, I think till October. And we had to end the contract because of the amount of work that was required to fulfill for them. because. A lot of it was like we want to elevate the brand or whatever that needs uh, or the branding it's on it's not on brand even though it's exactly what they sent out before or like why are we sending out the same email um anyways, I don't want to complain too much, but the fashion brands are a very uh there's a lot of handholding that's involved and I think some people have the guts for it, maybe like like you guys, but
0: I don't personally yeah, it's mainly mainly because we, we grew our agency on the back of uh, really good fashion strategies and hmm. I mean, really we're really good at doing product drops and um, new releases limited edition collections like we're really good at it. so we, we we still like it because it's a really great strategy that works consistently And so, it, but it is a lot of work like having a, a fashion brand like you have to survive off of new drops and new collections and different season styles like that is like how you're you doing assets all the time you have to yeah so like same thing for our Google team retention paid social team it's we have one brand that they probably do a drop every two weeks so you can imagine like it's yeah it's it's a lot but i mean they they crush it as well so that's kind of that's the downside to like have a really good thriving fashion brand but uh, a question i want to ask you so this is an interesting one so i put this on twitter is we always do we always we're doing constant testing i we noticed something that for some reason for one of our brands there was a massive spike in send times from mid-afternoon tonight to the point it was like 60% increase in conversions because we always we'll test different send times and then we'll let Klaviyo kind of optimize based off the send time from there and we'll go through the recommendation yeah. but we like turn that off and say we're going to do it manually and we saw that we're like holy crap like that's massive are you guys seeing anything like that in the difference in the send times right now not in that specific order because i know you- It was like a skincare brand, right? It was Acne.
1: Yeah, they sold Acne products. Yeah, I remember seeing your tweet on that. I don't think we've seen such a big like 60% like, whoa, that's crazy. We haven't tested that out where it's like, okay, sending the emails in the nighttime versus sending emails in in the afternoon. Most of our send times is either in the morning or in the afternoon. But Mm. now that you mention it, I would have to test out the, the nighttime sending because if there is a huge difference in purchases, and I think it also depends on the niche, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause with skincare, I think it makes sense because like a lot of people, when they come home from work, they can t- like, by that point, like your makeup wears off or like you start to see those blemishes cause of like stress at work. Like oh, you good. might be hitting on those pain points right away, or you could have just hit them at the, t- at the moment where they're just at home and chilling on their phone. So either one of those, I think is just worth testing. And I think for us, we have a client in a dental niche where we might have a really good success rate there. So I'll definitely test that out and get back to you. But what are you guys testing right now?
0: What's working for you guys?
1: Right now, we're testing a lot on colors. So like making sure like the colors and button placement uh, on the email side of things. So making sure that the emails are still on brand, but there's enough of a contrast on the email so that you know,
0: like visually, you're directed to the call to action. I have a question for you. Again, another highly (laughs) contested topic. For some of the brands that we have that are very precious about their branding. They're adamantly against uh, CTAs that are against their color palette. Mm. However, testing shows that drastically different CTAs can have significantly different results. What is your stance on that? I
1: think I usually go with a brand on this because yes, it does affect it, but you can also manipulate it in a way where it can be off-brand, but on-brand. Like, you can still be, like, what, you, what do you call Like, if they have a dark color palette, then you can still have, like, a dark call to action with just a white text or, like, a white te- or a white button with the dark color palette and vice versa. Um, I'd say when it comes—because it wouldn't make sense to just have, like, a highly red—like, a big red button. Um, if anything, I, I think you put up a—in the Geek Hub channel, I think you put this up maybe a few months ago where the button was, like, outlined. It was, like, a solid button, and it was outlined— like there's different ways that you can still manipulate the um the call to action to still be on brand but you can still be it can still provide like a high click- through rate like like you mentioned in that side channel and that's also something that we play around with mm. yeah. now you mentioned something about product drops and I think that would be like a really good sign off um on the podcast is I really want to get your take on how you guys handle product drops is there anything specific that you guys cover when when you guys do those especially for that client that does them like two two times a week or
0: Every two weeks. But, so, we actually, it's funny you say that, uh, our, we actually had our retention team meeting on Wednesday, and there's a new addition to our product drop strategy that we tested that's verified, that's crushing. And I'll, I'll give you the full uh, download right now. So, uh, every product drop, it always has, you can call it a VIP list, you can have a secret list, like whatever the name you want to come with. I don't care. But we always have those because we always believe in adding psychological triggers. So, some of the ones that we do is it's limited edition. We talk about it's never going to be released again. Or if it's a, one of my favorite psychological trigger ever is when we ask the brand, how many SKUs or how much inventory do you actually have on this drop? And they're like, we have a thousand. Okay, cool. So we'll, pu- we'll put in the messaging, we only have a thousand of these, but we have 30,000 of you on our list. Sign up if you want to be the first person to know when it goes live. Because now it's like, oh, I want to be on one of that 1,000 people. Yeah. And then as it gets closer, we're like, oh my gosh, we have like two thousand of you signed up for the VIP list. but We only have a thousand of those. You better add it to your calendar right now. So we have a um, add to event. It's a it's an app that you can do where they click and add to their calendar. So you get a oh. yeah. So you get like a notification from your calendar. Plus we'll let you know when it goes live. So we try to get them to add it to their calendar. Get their phone number. Get obviously their email address because we want to hit them in every place get their mom's phone number so they can remind yeah. them. One thing we haven't we ha- we can't figure out yet is like what's a great way to do like refer a friend besides just forward this email along that like, we want to find is like a like a group platform we can like send it to tags and like automatically uploads into your contact list. We just we can't figure that part out yet, but that's like another strategy we want to test. But the one that we do is as soon as they sign up for um, that list to be the first to know, what we do is we send them another add uh add to calendar event. Uh, as part of a sequence of like, okay, here's the TDLR. You want to do this because this means people signed up. Make sure it's on your calendar because if it's on your calendar. You're not going to know when it goes live. And so just by doing that, a recent drop that we did, uh, I think we saw like an 18% increase from the previous drop just mm-hmm. by changing that one thing. And so that's like really it. And besides once they sign up, there's a few strategies around like how to keep the hype. And the hype is more around, we work with the brands say, okay, when they sign up, how can you keep them super pumped? So our analogy is we think of it like going to a party, like around Christmas time. It's a great analogy. Around Christmas, there's like Christmas parties everywhere, right? But then which party you choose to go to? What's the one that you're most excited about? And so you have to stay top of mind. And as it gets closer to the party, you release new information like, oh, oh, by the way, guys, the first five people order, going to get a free gift card. And as it gets closer, it's like, oh, by the way, guys, um, this... This pattern that we're dropping is so unique that actually took me two years to make and like ten thousand dollars. So just adding Again, story, like the- yeah, the feeling of the value to it to keep that front of mind, the hype, and I honestly, man, that's pretty much it. And but it's the the secret sauce is the psychological triggers, making sure they add it to calendar, getting their phone number, and then keeping the hype once they sign up for it. Like really, that is the secret sauce. The calendar strategy, like no one talks about it, but it's so
1: huge in in the performance side of things because we did it for what we were just testing out the strategy for black friday cyber monday for one of our clients Nice, killed it because it's like no what like no one else is adding calendars to like to emails because like why would you it makes no sense but it makes all the sense when you actually implement it it's like 20 apples dropping like a (laughs) sale in two weeks like i'm putting that shit on my calendar i do not want to be bothered when i buy like a new phone or a new MacBook or whatever, because it's like twenty percent off. So that's a really good way to go about it. And I think the story building behind the drop is also important. We had this with a consulting client of ours. They dropped like um, a hunting vest for like it's a limited edition hunting vest collaboration with like another big brand. And they they're like, how do we hype this up? I'm like, we'll talk, talk about the story. Talk about what went into making this vest. What ma- what makes it special? Like. You guys haven't collaborated in like 10 or so years. So like, you know, it's a once in a decade opportunity, things like that really um, get the people
0: going. Yeah, I love that. And collaborations I think is something people don't do enough, especially if you can do a collaboration with like list swapping as well. That right there, that's a great way to only grow your list, get new customers. Uh, I don't think brands do that enough. No,
1: absolutely. It's another one of those like marketing channels that's just like swept under the rug and only the ones that
0: know, they know but we, so last time we did a brand collab was actually um it was with a um a bourbon clothing line brand and a brand that sold wigs mm. and it freaking slayed it was it was a great collab and why it worked so well is because their audiences are very comparable very much the same and like they they weren't competitors but they're actually um complementary products mm. that t- their target market and that was a great one another one we did too was we did a luggage brand and a high-end watch brand. So the luggage brand, high-end pieces with like high-end pieces of watches, very similar audience, that worked pretty well. So I think when done well, and strategically like very similar audience, like it can do, it can go very well. Absolutely.
1: Well, Ray, I don't want you to spill all the beads about what you guys do at Right Hook, but what's the best way for people to get in touch if they want to work together or if they just want to ask you
0: questions about anything retention related? Yeah. Great question. So Twitter at I am Ray Johnston or Instagram at RGA Johnston is where you'll find me and I'm the most active.
1: Fantastic. Well, perfect Ray. Um, it was a pleasure having you on and, uh, I'll see you in the next one. Great. Thanks Nikita. Bye. Thanks again for joining us on the scaling e-commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like subscribe and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tip delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita, and I'll see you in the next one.